Hello and welcome to episode 2 of the Discipleship Today podcast. I am your host Andy York, joined as always by the uh, pastor at the Grow Real Baptist Church and the national moderator of the Real Baptist Association, Tim York. Tim, how are you doing today? I'm good, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, we're sorry this is coming out a little late. Um, we've been away at a, at a discipleship conference actually this week. Uh, the D6 conference, it was in Greensboro, North Carolina. We'll probably talk about it um, a little bit later on. So we were there, and we weren't able to really record. Um, but hopefully next week we'll be right back on schedule. Um, and this is the Discipleship Today podcast. We mentioned that already. Um, and we just want you to know that you can find this podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, and hopefully pretty soon you'll be able to find it in a lot of different areas. Um, but just for right now, those two are where you'll find this the most. Um, but you can always find us on Twitter um, at Discipleship T and then on our Facebook page at Discipleship Today um, on Facebook. And you can always stay in touch with us there and you can always see the link to our uh, episodes there as well because we like to, to really stay in touch and really um, stay in touch with you guys. So um, we kind of mentioned last week that today's episode is really going to be on who disciples a disciple. Um, and so I'll, I'll let you kind of go ahead and give a a synopsis of what we're going to be dealing with today. Well, like we, like we said last week, one of the things we want to make really clear is we're not the professionals. We're really asking the questions and searching for the answers, and we'd like for you to ask the questions as well. But as Scripture teaches us, it's who makes these disciples, these followers, these learners of Christ. I'm reminded Jesus tells us as he gets ready to leave, and we mentioned this in the first episode, the five times what we call the Great Commission is given. But Matthew records it like this. And, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now, make disciples. First of all, growing up and probably most of my adult life, I've heard this going and making disciples is the great mission call for all of us to give money to, to missionaries to go around the world and represent us. Now, we all believe in missions. We believe the world ought to be reached. Matter of fact, I'm getting ready for an international trip where I will be, you know, talking to a whole lot of people from a whole lot of countries here in just a few days. But that's not what that passage says. That passage says, Jesus says, while you're living your life, go make disciples. So who was in that crowd? Well, the future preachers or pastors were in that crowd. There were others in that crowd of that 120 that uh, were people that were just common folks who were attending in the assembly, uh, who would become a part of the assembly of the first church of Jerusalem. So with that being understood, we know that Jesus said, go make disciples. He didn't designate a certain group or a certain criteria. And one of the things I think the church has wrestled with from the beginning is, um, in the last 200 years especially, is vocational ministry. And that is because we have a full-time pastor or we have a full-time staff or we have a full-time whatever we want to call these people, uh, that takes my responsibility away. I simply, as I often have heard it said, we pray, we pay, and you go do our work. It's not the Bible taught at all. Bible taught that every disciple reproduces themselves as a disciple. But how does that work in the big picture? Well, 
Uh, to answer your question, I think the first group of people we really need to talk about is pastors. Remember over in Ephesians chapter 4, the apostle lays out um, how the church at Ephesus is to be gifted. And he says to them, here's how you keep the unity of the Spirit and the bonds of peace. You allow a certain group of people to equip the saints. And he mentions apostles and he mentions prophets, which we personally believe are sign gifts that went away with the canonicity of Scripture. Evangelists, which we believe are very current today. And then pastor teacher or shepherd teacher. So it is the responsibility of the staff of any church or any group to equip people to make disciples. Now, um, I think we've fallen into this horrible scenario where we go to church to be fed like a little bird in the nest. And that's all we do. We get our little nourishment for the day and we go home. That is not what the New Testament ever intended. That's not what Jesus intended when he said, go make disciples. Jesus intended and the church's intention, the first, early church especially, was that the pastor, teacher, the leaders of the church, disciple the people, equip them so that they go out there and replicate themselves over and over and over and over. And they reproduce themselves over and over and over again. As someone said this week, I don't remember who it was, the player becomes the coach. Mm -hmm. In other words, all of a sudden the student becomes the teacher and all of us are involved, not just certain people, but all of us, but it starts with pastoral leadership. See the church in the last you know, couple hundred years has been more interested in the evangelism side of the church than they've been inside, been investing in what we would call the discipleship side of the church. I would submit to you that discipleship encompasses both uh, coming to Jesus and going for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And when you realize that, you have to stop in the middle and say, okay, if that's true, if discipling people to Jesus is as important as discipling people once they come to Jesus in their spiritual life, and we believe both of those are true, then the pastor's role is a teaching role to equip the saints to build them up for the work of the ministry. Growing up as a child and in my adult life, I thought preaching was that fiery evangelist. That's how you really did it. And, and by the way, it worked. It was effective in some areas. But what we failed was we had all these believers out here who weren't able to reproduce themselves. Mm -hmm. And so we thought where churches were doing well if we were seeing a lot of people saved, having a lot of baptizings, going through a lot of, having a lot of people join our churches. But what we failed to ask ourselves, are our people reproducing themselves? And I, I think the sounding across the board would be, no, they're not. Yeah. Um, so kind of piggybacking off that then, um, what are some, some steps that a pastor can take to move toward this discipleship of their people? Well, I would encourage every pastor to be an expository preacher of the word, preach the word. Um, I think the challenge comes from us. We're the leader. We're the, we're the one that people are commanded through scripture to follow and to mentor their lives after. And so with that being said, I think the importance of where Paul told Timothy, you do the work of the evangelist, so we must equip our people how to live in a culture that's anti-God, that's anti-Christ, that's anti-the scriptures. How do we live in this world bringing people to Jesus and disciple them for Jesus? And so it becomes very 
hard. It's not easy. This mm-hmm. this part of the reason we started this podcast is because you and I have sat around the uh, conference table on many occasions and discussed this very issue. Uh, we sit around our dinner table and discuss mm-hmm. this very issue because we want our church to be make an impact. We want our denomination to make an impact. I want my everybody I know to make an impact. We there is no room for competition in our mm-hmm. world. We are not competitors. We're all in the kingdom work trying to get this job done and the world gets darker and darker and the light will shine brighter and brighter. But the problem is how do we get these folks here? And so I think it starts with our pulpits. I think it starts with strong preaching. And 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 I think probably the second step is we're gonna talk about is we have to equip the home. You know, um, one of the things that really bothers me is there's a lot of Christians who've not done well in reproducing other Christians out of their own home. They've been so interested in saving everybody else's life, they forgot about their own children or those who are in their own home. And so I think probably discipleship for the church, um, we really need to re-equip ourselves, equip parents, fathers, who are the shepherds of their homes, to lead them in spiritual worship, but not just spiritual worship. Sometimes uh, I, I sit in these thing, conferences and I read this stuff, and it's all about it's all about that one hour of family worship, and and I think it's very important. But the but the Deuteronomy said, "In thy lying down, in thy rising up, as you walk in the way." In other words, we disciple our children not just with family worship, but we disciple our families in every aspect of life. Because the scriptures command something, this is how we live. This is what we do. It becomes second nature. You know, Andy, I didn't have to teach you to be a Kentucky fan. I didn't have to teach your sister to be a Kentucky fan. I didn't have to teach your older brother to be a Kentucky fan. That was not a hard thing for us to do. Why? Because in your lying down, you're rising up as you walked in the way. <laughs> we were Kentucky fans. We dressed in blue. We wore UK. We put it all over our vehicles. We put the flag in front of our house. We cheered, we yelled, we cried, we, cried, we made other people <laughs> mad at us over it. But we wore blue, that Kentucky blue, and we cheered. And you grew up knowing we're Kentucky fans, mm-hmm. despite how bad the Reds are. We taught you how to be a Reds fan. Mm-hmm. Here's what bothers me. I can teach you how to be all that. Why cannot the same thing happen in your lying down, rising up, walking away, teach your children? And so I think parents have to understand there's not the church life and the home life. There's one life that all belongs to Jesus. And, and so therefore, as it belongs to Jesus, then it becomes really <clears throat> the basis of who we are. Mm-hmm. And I think the lack of discipleship in the home and in the church comes back to living two lives. The life we live when we go through the door of the church and the life we live outside the church. And I'll take an example. Oftentimes people say, I'm not going to lie to you, preacher. I'm, I'm right here in the church. Well, I'm not going to lie to you if I'm standing in, in, in a place of ill repute. I mean, really, lying is not our option for us. And so it doesn't matter where you are. And so I think sometimes people separate their lives and say, this is my church life. This is my home life. And so our kids are not seeing this lying down, rising up as we walk in the way. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> kind of jumping back on that as well um i really believe uh i truly believe that 
the reason why our our country is everybody dogs on the millennial and the the Gen Z generations. And I really believe that the the core at the core of it all the reason why there's such a a big difference between the millennials and the Gen X is because the Gen X didn't grow their children in discipleship. They and and this can go all the way back to the boomers. They just went to church. They didn't disciple. And it's it's kind of a uh, like a domino effect. You see it each year. Um, I mean, we at the D6 conference, they, they gave us statistics that 14% of boomers are non-religious, have no religious affiliation. Now it's it's 18% of um, Gen X have no religious affiliation. Now the millennials, it's up to 36%. It's doubled, you know. So I think you see this domino effect. And it's harder now to disciple your kids because they you know they see maybe you're not always going to church maybe you're not always doing the things you're supposed to be doing so why should i have to when i graduate or when i turn 18 or why should i even have to listen to you now because if you're going to throw scripture at me if you're going to do this and that to me and you don't even follow it why should i follow it and i think it goes a little deeper in the boomer age and even back before that we were taught to keep the church rules. Mm-hmm. They were rules, and, and we, you know, oftentimes you say, "Why do we not? Why do we not do this? Or why do we do this?" And just because, and, and we never gave the answers. And so I think, I think what happened was we we raised a generation who said, "I don't want to keep the rules." Well, I don't want to keep the rules either. But the reason I don't do certain things and I do certain things has nothing to do with the rule book. It has to do with a faith system that believes in a holy God who loves and cares, and yet uh, morality and decency and justice all comes from him. And so we understand what happens. That's what Proverbs is really all about. Mm-hmm. You know, young men all live according to the authority of the Word of God and listen to their parents. Um, I'm afraid we've raised our kids like we lived, not like we said. Yeah. And, and let me just say this to you, because I'm sure there's some pastors listening to this podcast don't judge yourself that you didn't live at home in front of your children. Sometimes one of the things we forget is the outside influences. And I think a lot of our pastor's kids are not followers of Jesus today because maybe dad and mom were in a situation where church people didn't act like Christians. They act like mm-hmm. heathens. You know, they, they quoted verses and wore suits and ties to church and carried their Bible. But in the end of the day, they didn't act right. And they didn't live right. And their hearts weren't right. And so I think you... I don't think you can point your finger at one group because the challenge is too hard. I mean, right. for generations, our public school system has taught our kids, you know, there is no God. They mm-hmm. can say they haven't, but they have. It's reality. Not all teachers. There are good, godly teachers who are missionaries and show the love of Christ out there every day. So it's not a, But this core system, uh, when you get to biology class as a sophomore in high school, boom, even in my day, we got hit with evolution. And so the point is, Parents have to engage more and more. You can't be that parent who comes home, fixes up, or puts kids to bed and lives your life watching your own TV show. You're going to have to be a parent who truly engages in everyday life, everyday discussion. And uh, I go back to what I said 25 years ago, and I still believe it's true, what the breakdown of the home is when the family dinner went away Mm -hmm. because people no longer talk to one another. Yeah. 
Um, so we kind of talked about ways that a pastor can disciple a disciple. What are ways, some ways that a, a father or a parent can disciple their kids? Even, even, even though they may not, even though they still, they might be adults now. How can they still disciple their kids? I think by the way we live, the way we talk, I don't think it's keeping the rules or being pushy and quoting verses, but it's simply expressing love and showing love and concern, compassion, praying for them. Um, and then I think there's also the idea of just always being an encouragement. Encourage them to spiritual things. Um, why, do, why do people show up for Christmas programs? Whether it's the school or the church, why do they show up? Because a kid's involved. Mm-hmm. And I think we use our grandkids to keep our kids engaged in some sense. In other words, and, and I know we have a lot of um, dysfunctional situations where uh, single parents raising kids. Listen, it's very difficult. I grew up in a single parent home. I understand that. Con- I understand that world very well. And I will say this to you: you still have to do the best you can to teach the love of Christ, teach the holiness of God and the Word of God in your lying down, rising up as you're walking the way. What I have learned in my spiritual walk is this. People don't, people don't listen to me as much as they watch me, mm-hmm. and they pattern. Um, so we've kind of hit what the pastor's role is, and then we've hit what the, the father's and the, the parent's role um, is. What? Way, for single moms, let me say this. It's very difficult when you got boys. But we're here to help you. We've got some resources we'd be glad to help with. Um, and other things, we'll find you people who can help you with that. But keep discipling your child and find some godly group of men in your local church. I still thank God. It's just all these many years ago, Louisa Free Will Baptist Church had a group of men. They were older men who took me under their wing as a little boy. And I think that's what churches have to do. And so find somebody who will teach them those things. I'm sorry. Oh, you're good. Um, So we talked about the the pastor's role, and we talked about the father and the parent's role. What is everyone else's role in discipleship? If you are a believer, you are a disciple. If you are a disciple, you are to reproduce yourself, not just somebody getting saved. We used to call it soul winning. That was just, and one of the things I think we really learned this past week, and we'll talk a lot about over the next few months, too often someone getting saved and baptized was the hallelujah moment for us. And that was our check mark. They got right, we're, we're going to the next person. And we failed to realize we got to disciple this person. When you said make disciple and reproduce yourself in, in, in this reproduction process, not just getting saved, you know, a newborn baby, when it's born in this world, it's not the same as an adult who birthed it. And the idea behind it is you've got to get that person to adulthood in order for them to be able to be reproducing so they can do it. And that's how it works. We keep mm-hmm. multiplying ourselves over and over again. So here's what I'd say to everybody. Find your spiritual gift. I believe that's very much part of being a disciple of Jesus. And once you find your your spiritual gift, then you need to be able to practice that spiritual gift and start reproducing yourself and start finding others who can reproduce themselves so that we can continue to reach people and touch lives and it not be this one moment of emotion. 
but it'll be a lifetime of spiritual success. Let me give you a biblical example. When Saul of Tarsus got saved, that was a nail-it-down moment inside the church. Now, I'm going to tell you, the folks at Jerusalem probably were not too excited. Mm -hmm. I mean, church killer just got saved. Yeah. You know, if the church killer just got saved, uh, where's he going to church, you know? <laughs> and how are we going to deal with this dude? Well, there was a man named Barnabas who goes and gets him and gets beside him and brings him along and becomes his discipler. And, and I think when you see that, you see this beautiful picture, even though they came to a place where they didn't agree any longer. But Barnabas was the man who had the gifts of help, who could come alongside and just bring a guy alongside and help him learn to follow Jesus and to apply the principles of Scripture. You know, I thank God for the mentors in my life. I thank God for every person who's ever invested in my life. I, I, do, a, uh, I do a seminar on mentoring. And uh, in there, I, I list the men that I think of when I, when I think of mentoring, I, I've got a list of a mile long of just men from the time I was a small child to this very hour of people who invested in me. And because of their investment, it brought me along. So I think what we have to do is invest in people and bring them along. And maybe your disciple gets to where you are. Then you grow together and you still keep the brotherhood and you keep bonding. And so when, the, when that brother gets to a place they reproduce, we help him through the process. We never get rid of folks. We just keep adding on, adding on, adding on. Mm -hmm. um, and backtracking a little bit to where you said the the church kind of discipled up into the point of baptism, checked it off, and left them, you know, let them go on their way. I believe it was uh, Rob uh, Robbie Gallaty, who's the pastor at Long Hollow and in the, Gallatin. And he's the guru of discipleship yeah. in our culture. Yeah, he did a lot of seminars and said a lot of amazing things. But specifically with that, he said that the church needs to realize that baptism isn't the finish line. Baptism is the starting line. And, and then discipleship the afterwards is after that. And so that's, I think that's something that the church has kind of missed. And I really believe, you know, discipleship itself is kind of a lost art in, in the church well, today. And it's, you know, all these different roles that we've mentioned, whether you're a pastor or a parent or just somebody in a local church, there's always people who you can disciple um, and there's always opportunities for discipleship. And like you said, people kind of think they don't need training anymore. You know, an athlete never stops training no matter how great they get. You always can do better and you always can train more. And I think one of the things you find interesting about what Jesus said as well is you just don't do one person at a time. Yeah. Um, Jesus had three. He had six. Or had three. He had 12. Then he had, you know... Um, you move to the 70, and then we go to the 120. So what you're seeing is Jesus moved them along in the crowd. Uh, I think sometimes we get bogged down with one person. So we have to have multiple people that we are discipling and bringing along in the path. Mm -hmm. That's why <clears throat> that's why I'm a, a firm believer in small groups and in life groups or discipleship groups whatever or whatever you're talking them. yeah we um i mean right now at our church we have one specifically for our our youth and they you know they are hungry for it and they are um you know each week we see them 
asking more and more questions and wanting to know more and more. Uh, we have a, a young group of kids who don't know why we believe what we believe. And I think that's the big, one of the biggest thing is discipleship is making people understand, you know, just because we say it doesn't mean, you know, isn't a reason for you to believe it. You kind of have to, to dig for yourself. And so this, we're doing the, uh, uh, on right now media, we're doing doctrine by Francis Chan and he is really breaking it down the different parts. We did, uh, the Bible the first week we did the Trinity last week. We're doing creation this week. He kind of gives a, them a, a basis for what we believe and why we believe it. Whether you're Southern Baptist, rural Baptist, whatever, if you have the Christian name, you believe these certain things. The evangelical movement, the evangelical Christian has a foundational, we call them cardinal beliefs. And that's good stuff. Uh, and I think there are a lot of good things out there to help parents mm -hmm. and pastors and individuals. For instance, uh, with creation. I mean, thank God for Ken Ham and the movement of Back to Genesis and Answers in Genesis. I mean, these folks are giving us so much concrete evidence that allows us to, you know, argue the point mm -hmm. and, and state the point and show our kids they've been lied to. They've been duped by a lot of people. Um, I think Right to Life offers a great deal of information for young ladies to understand the reproductive system and what God is doing in lives and why it's important to stay pure and, and why it's important to understand these concepts. I mean, on and on and on the groups go. There's a lot of resources out there when people are dealing with issues. And by the way, because a child says, I don't believe in God, because a child says, I've decided I, I, I'm a homosexual or I'm confused about my sexuality or whatever, don't kick that child to the curb. Mm -hmm. Love that child where they are and begin to disciple them in a very cautious way out of it. And we have resources to help people with mm -hmm. that because... There are ways to help people. There are, there are opportunities out there that God has just birthed in his church that I think sometimes we're just letting go. Yeah. Um, and so that's really the, the basis of, of what our episode was today, who disciples uh, a disciple. Do you have any other, any other yeah, thoughts or anything? Pastors, parents, and every Christian ought to be a good discipler. And that will be your goal. That will be my goal. And... Um, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I find myself talking about it more than I find myself doing it. Mm -hmm. And I'm really making a cautious effort as I'm discipling people these days to bring them along. And uh, and I think it's really important. And what we do here, I don't mind sharing, um, our good friend Rob Morgan, who's been with Donaldson Fellowship for many years, and Rob's just a great guy. He's written a little book called Simple. So we, we take all of our new people through Simple. We try to do it in a group setting. But... Um, Gives them a chance to get a foundation on some six biblical truths. And then we're going to try to dump them into a small group, not dump them, put them in a small group where somebody can begin to disciple them further and further and further. It is so important to disciple people. Uh, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful somebody discipled me. Mm -hmm. uh, and kind of putting it all together, really, if you think about it, all three of the, the roles and the aspects we talked about, they're interlinked. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, a parent just can't, out of nowhere, try to disciple their kid. A pastor has to put time into discipling the parents to disciple the kids, and he has to disciple everyone. And it's kind of a, a group effort. You know, it 
we can stand up there and preach until we're blue in the face about discipleship, but we can't go home with everybody and, you know, implement it in their family. It's something that they have to do. They have to step up and do. And so I think that's why it's important to disciple. Cause I think sometimes the parents kind of get thrown to the side saying, disciple your kids when the parents don't get discipled to disciple their kids. And so that's what something do we, what yeah. Do I, do? I mean, we're asking people to do the impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the impo- it's impossible for them at that moment. People have to be trained. They have to be disciples as well. We try to make them run before they can even walk. Absolutely. And, that's, Absolutely. and I think that's why the D6 um, curriculum is, the Randall House curriculum is so, it helps parents because in Sunday school or if you do it on Life Group or whenever you do it, you get the lesson, but then the entire week, you and your family can dive into the Word together and disciple one another and disciple each other. Well, here at the Grove, we're going to hopefully in 19 begin what we are going to call family night, family Bible study night. And it's really just where families gather at our facility. And they will have the parent will be taught the same lesson that the teen's going to be taught by you. And hopefully we can get, get this discussion going among our families and see some some real spiritual value take place. Um, so I think that does it for this week's topic. Um, and so we'll go ahead and kind of give a, a little preview of what next week we're going to talk about and dive into. So next week, really, our topic is what does the Bible say about a successful discipleship? And so I'll let you kind of But well, what does give it look a, like when I'm successful in discipleship? We kind of kicked that around a little bit about the scorecard or that Robbie talked about in D6 this week. But there's more to it than that. We really want to look at uh, what does the Bible say? Uh, about us being successful in discipleship and what does that does that look like and so hopefully we'll be able to open some passages where Paul said follow me as I follow Christ and others and just ask ourselves what does this really portray because some of my best some of Tim York's best disciples have not been the best disciples of Jesus and so I think there's something to be said about that and we've got to figure that out mm-hmm uh, and like always, we want your feedback. We want your questions with these topics. Uh, so you can put those in um, on our Facebook page, Discipleship Today. Uh, there you will find a link to our email where you can email us. Um, and our, if you don't have Facebook um, and you're listening to this, it's Discipleship Today Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can send us your questions there. You can send us to them uh, on Twitter uh, at Discipleship T. Uh, that's where you can find all of the main uh, beef of the podcast. Um, also, you can find us on Twitter. You can find me at uh, I'm Andy York, and you can find uh, Tim at Tim York seven o three seven o three. He I is an old. That one yet? I'm yeah. I'm on the old guys. Do you have anything else to, to I plug? I just would say you? this. Um, uh, let's begin the discussion together. Keep the criticism out, and let's really find answers. The Bible talks about. That is very, very important so that we can find the success that God has for us. And I hope that you will um, you'll join us next podcast and allow us the opportunity to bless you. And let me just say this in closing. You are his disciple. Now, let's go make other disciples as he's commanded us.